Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast with me, Rue Chater. Episode 9 with Alex Jones, aka The Stig. I'm going to keep this intro relatively short. Uh, I've tried recording it a few times and I keep struggling to find the words really. I've also lost my voice, so maybe that's why I'm struggling a little bit today. This week I've got an amazing interview for you with one of the most inspirational people that I know and I think you'll like it too. To cut a long story short, Alex Jones is an old friend of mine who had a terrible mountain bike accident where he broke his neck and severely damaged his spinal cord. He's been wheelchair bound for the last seven years and with a lot of hard work and effort has managed to regain a little bit of use in his arms, but not a lot. However, he hasn't let that slow him down and he's remained incredibly positive throughout, always laughing, always joking. And I think that comes across in this interview. We're talking about a subject which should be incredibly sombre, perhaps, and sad, ultimately. And yet it's actually just two blokes laughing, often hysterically, which kind of sounds wrong, but at the same time is probably very right. I think a positive mindset is the only real way to get through this life. And Alex certainly embodies that. So without any further waffle from me and before my voice cracks up completely, I'm going to just get straight into this one. Please, please, please share this with your friends. Get on social media. Get this episode out there. Because if ever I do an episode of this series of podcasts that deserves to be viral, then it's this one. This transcends all sports. You know, he's not a professional kiter. He's not a professional windsurfer or anything like that. And it's just a great story for life in general. And I really hope you enjoy it. Today, I'm sat with a gentleman called Alex Jones, who I've known uh, for quite a few years now. Um, One of my background stories, I guess, was working for a company called Sunsail back in the day. And there's a bunch of friends that I've got, had probably over 20 years um, and they all come from that sunsail kind of realm, I guess. They're all sailors, windsurfers, people like that. And Alex has got a very interesting story that I thought I'd like to share with you guys. But Alex, you were a windsurfer originally. That was your sort of main passion, wasn't it? Yeah, I started off with sailing as a kid. Yeah. And um, yeah, I used to go racing with my dad and all that sort of stuff. Went and uh, studied uh, down in Plymouth University and then picked up all the sort of surfing side of things. And then from there, Went out to do a season in COS as a sailing instructor and then, yeah, realised that the windsurfing side of things was a lot more fun and you could go a lot faster. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was in the perfect place, surrounded by a load of windsurfing instructors with a background in sailing and uh, and a load of kit to uh, pick up the windsurfing side of things pretty quickly from, from there. Yeah. So, yeah, got into it out there. Excellent. And how many years did you do with Sunsail in the end? Three summers in uh, in Windy Kaplos in COS. Perfect. That's quite a good spot, isn't it? Yeah, it's decent. Yeah. yeah. Really, really strong offshore wind. It just got funneled. Yeah. Flat water blasting along and uh, yeah, it was awesome. Have they still got, there's no Sunsail Club there now, is there? But have they still no, got No, they've gone, but I think there's, um, there, there's a Mistral or an F2 centre there, I think, still. So there's definitely still a load of sailing going on there. Have you ever been back? I went back, I went back for a week. There's not, um, this was this was going back years and years ago. Yeah, we went back just for a, just for a week to stay with someone and um, yeah, took some kit out there. Yeah, that was good fun. Was nice <laughs> to go back. <laughs> I've never actually revisited any of the spots that I used to work at, so I'm quite keen one day to like go back to Pirelli in Turkey and see what's there and 
find out what it was like because you sort of see it through these very young eyes back in the day where you're 18 and everything's just all yeah, it's all great and wonderful and you're not really worrying about things too much yeah people keep talking about the big reunion and stuff and going back there it'd be awesome i think but... yeah that would be a good one that'd be really good it's a good thing to get sorted um and then obviously like you were pretty good windsurfer what kind of level were you at i remember when there was sort of talk about various people within Sunset at what level people were at. And it was like Jamie Hay and a few other people. Oh, he's doing forward loops now. Oh, he's getting to this and he's getting uh, to that. Yeah, no. I used to be able to sail with Jamie Hay and Dave Gray, who, uh, yeah, but... They were uh, the good guys. They were the good guys. We were, uh, yeah, we were the contenders. We were just there to make <laughs> up the numbers, really. <laughs> <laughs> I could certainly sail with them, but I couldn't do after, I couldn't do after stuff they were doing. So, yeah. Yeah, forward loops were, uh, yeah. Almost, not quite. Ooh. Almost crash landing, landing in a pile and uh, getting annoyed when you'd landed in a pile and then Dave or Jamie would come and do one over your head. Yeah, and then so. getting getting into it and sort of thinking, oh yeah, I could, could yeah. get there. And then, yeah, they were pretty good, those guys. Dave still windsurfs quite a lot, doesn't he? He's pretty um, passionate about it still. And then you got into mountain biking and that yeah. was how we kind of reconnected, wasn't it? It was on one of the boys' biking weekends a long time ago, like I think 2010, Yeah, no, I've always had a mountain bike ever since the back in the, you know, when I was 14 years old, we had some... Perjo mountain bike, if I remember rightly, it was awesome. With the old clicky shifters on the top of the uh, on the top of the bar. Yeah. And if I remember rightly, I folded that in half um, in old <laughs> shot because the uh, the army there dig holes in the ground and then camouflage them, and I didn't see it, so I just went down, literally went down a hole, and hit the front wheel pretty much no touched way. the back wheel. And uh, so yeah, I think that was one of my first good mountain bike crashes. First good mountain bike yeah. crashes. Came back from old shot in the train with a very broken bike. <laughs> and did you get broken or were you all right? <laughs> I was like, I bent my thumb, but I think no, that wasn't too, <laughs> it wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. And then you you were pretty passionate about mountain biking, like you did a few trips and things like that, and you were you know riding quite a lot. And then obviously you had this fateful crash. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So where was it again? It was, was in, it in Rogate. Rogate, uh, Rogate right. which is um, yeah, not too far from where I live down in Hampshire. It's just a, a steep bit of a steep bit of hill uh, in in the forest. Um, quite sort of twisty, turny at the top. Quite it's quite steep and technical at the top, I suppose. Um, there's about six or eight different routes down, and most of them, as it gets down towards the bottom, it sort of opens up and it starts to speed up a bit with some big sort of fast bank turns. And then there's two big hits at the bottom. Um, really nice jumps, though. They're not not sort of flicky up jumps. They're just really long. You have to hit them really fast because they're quite long but quite yeah, flat. Yeah, get the distance. Yeah, so they're, yeah, it's a good fun. But, uh, and you, but, you've ridden there quite a bit, right? It wasn't like yeah, the first time that you've ridden there. Yeah, reasonable amount. Um, so, yeah, jumps you've done yeah. Yeah, loads of times before. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, a little, little, bit, little bit wrong one Saturday morning. So I got up really early, just down, went, went out on my own. And, yeah, it was just me and my dog. Um, I think there was one other guy riding up there. It was about eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And um, yeah, did 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 the uh, yeah did one of the runs, came down, rattled as fast as you can into the into the berm that lines you up for the for the first of the um, the tabletops. Uh, hit it nice and sweet. Seemed to go the right distance. Seemed to go the right height. Everything was fine, nice and straight. But I landed with the front wheel just just a little bit too high. You know that sort of pinch point with the wheelie where you. Uh, you're either going to go off the back or down the front. Yeah. So I just landed at that point on the transition, and instead of my front wheel coming down, my back wheel whipped. Yeah. So your front wheel went up. My front wheel went up. My front wheel went up. My back wheel went down. It accelerated me and just flipped me back. And I used to ride with. Um, I used to ride clipped in with those. Um, they mallet. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, mallets. The mallets. Yeah, they were like the big. Mallets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to ride with them, so they were sort of. Um, yeah, good for the ups, but also quite good for the downs. So I was clipped in, which I don't think helped my cause. Yeah. So whipped over the back and uh, 
yeah, landed flat on my back and um, whiplashed her, whiplashed my neck. And did that? Were you knocked out or were you conscious the whole time? No, I was conscious. I was wearing. Uh, I, had my, I had my downhill helmet on, and um, so I, yeah. You guys, you're always pretty padded up, weren't you? Like knee pads and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like yeah, knee pads. Dangerous sport. Wear knee the pads, gear. proper crash helmet at Rogate because um, it was just a push up and a and a ride down. Um, so yeah, yeah, landed flat on my back, knocked wind out of me. I was like, yeah, yeah, couldn't couldn't breathe for a little bit. And did um, you know, like instantly, like when I did my ankle, the split second I did it, I knew. It was bad. Did you get that feeling in in your head as you did it, or were you kind of a bit stunned and didn't really know what was going yeah, on? Yeah, I think I was stunned for I was stunned for I don't know like a few minutes or something trying to get my breath because I properly landed flat on my back and winded myself. Yeah, she just struggling um, so to get some like, air in, uh, yeah, <laughs> making yeah. the dead animal noises. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 I sounded like a walrus. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so once I'd realised, once I got my breath back, I was just like trying to yeah get my head around it, and I was like right, can't move my legs, can't feel my legs. And then it, yeah, or, yeah, I was stuck. Yeah. So it, yeah, then he was like, yeah, shit. I realised shit, something's wrong here, something's wrong. And then there was one other guy. There was one other guy riding there. So he, he was. I'd been chatting with him up the top. And then he come down. He was like, yeah, you're right. I was like, no, I don't think so. Don't think so. So he was like, right, do I call an ambulance? I was like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Shit. So I can't remember his name. He was awesome. He was really calm. There was my dog being a dickhead. Right. He was there digging and trying to get him to throw him stones. <laughs> you know, so you're broken. I'll have yeah. a play with this bloke. Yeah. This bloke will do. You're boring now. Yeah. <laughs> you're no fun. So yeah, he called an ambulance and they went through all the checklists as they do on the on the phone. Can you do this? Can you do that? And then, you know, as the answer is no. No. Can you do this? No. Can you do this? No. No. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be it. bad. It's and did you have bad. any, because you, you mentioned you couldn't feel your legs and you can't yeah. do that. Did you have any feeling in your hands or like uh, your no, upper body? No, it was all numb and just... my hands were like, they were like pulled up on my chest like a, I think the contraction had like pulled everything in like a squirrel, yeah. like a squirrel sort of thing. So you have your hands up on your, hands up on your chest. So yeah, so you're lying there, I guess, on your back, hands yeah. pulled in, thinking, crikey. Yeah. What am I going to do? Keep calm, don't move. Because, you know, you, everyone, you know from basic first aid, don't you? Right? If, you've, if you've got a you know, spinal injury and stuff, you, you don't you don't move, you keep still. So it's like, right, yeah, okay, we'll wait for, wait for the ambulance or wait for wait the professionals, for professionals to turn up. Um, so, yeah, they said they were coming. They tried to get early. It was a really foggy morning, so I was gutted. I missed out on the helicopter trip because the helicopter couldn't, couldn't land. Oh, no so way. So I, I had to put up with a common old school ambulance. They sent, they, <laughs> they sent two ambulance crews along because uh, I was in the woods and they had to come and find me. Um... And uh, yeah, ended up with a very slow um, laborious ride back to Chichester, Chichester A&E. That's a bit boring. Um, and I guess, how did they get to you? Is that, could they get the ambulance up to where you were on the trail got, or did they yeah, stretch they got, you out? Or? Yeah, they had to stretch me out. I mean, I was only, um, I think you're probably only a couple hundred metres from the road at Rogate. It's not far away, so they could get pretty close to be fair. Yeah, that's quite good. I guess it's, you know, <laughs> and I guess you couldn't feel anything. So it wasn't like you're in no, you just, of pain. No, you've just or... been lying on the ground, so you just get cold, don't you? And then you just lie, yeah, been lying there, but they were really careful and, you know, just... I don't know, it probably took them about an hour to, to sort of, you know, get me in the spinal brace and all that and put us, get us, um, get us in the back of the ambulance. And then they rode us carefully to, carefully to um, Chichester A&E. And, uh, yeah, we'll just start going through all the checks there and stick you in some hideous, um, hideous neck brace that locks you in. And uh, but there's nothing, nothing I could do really. You're just yeah. waiting for them to. I guess you're just relying on the professionals, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, like... do their do their job and trying to yeah get them to put some space blanket on you, keep you warm and stuff. Because I've managed to get freezing cold out there. And um, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, I was fine. I was breathing and everything. I mean, I broke my neck 
C5 I broke my neck, which is um, yeah the, the common sort of whiplash one. Um, any sort of higher than that, you start getting yeah that causes real chaos. I'm quite, yeah, I'm kind of lucky really that I've got a little got bit of little bit of function and stuff. But at the beginning, you don't have much at all. Yeah, and then they they moved me from there to Southampton, the neuro unit, the full on. Um, yeah. So how long were you in Chichester for? Just a uh, short, hours, just hours, yeah. literally, and then they were there's like, a, there's a major a trauma centre at Southampton, so they yeah. ship, they shipped me along to there. Still no helicopter ride. No helicopter ride. No, <laughs> no cut it. Another common old ambulance. Um, but yeah, I got got to there, and um, yeah, I spent two weeks there because the um, the spot, the the best the net guy was um, was on a uh, was on holiday, so they had to wait for him. To, had to wait for him to come back because they thought they thought um, yeah, basically I blew the I blew the C five um, one up, and yeah. they they basically basically had to piece it all back together. It was almost like a champagne cork. They had to sort of piece around it. And then they bolt it up and bolt it down. So I've got a nice three-inch scar in the front of my neck. Yeah. Weirdly, they go in to fix your neck. You thought they'd go in from the back. Yeah. But they go in from there. No, they go in from the from front. The side, they move you. Like... They move all your um, yeah, all the important stuff out of the way and sort of just go into one side of Adam's apple and fix it all up there, like putting a, a sort of a cork round, you know, the champagne cork round it to tighten it all up. Strange. So I spent two weeks, two weeks in there basically, just looking at the ceiling. And how was that? Because I mean, obviously you've got you know your wife Andrea just popped in a minute ago, yeah. And you've got your two boys. You know, at what point did you manage to get a message to them? You know, how did that sort of happen? Oh, uh, that guy, the guy at um, the guy at Rogate. Um, I can't remember his name. He was awesome though. He looked after my dog and bike and phoned Andrea and uh, sorted everything yeah, out. Yeah, he sort of sorted everything out from there. Um, so did Andrea get to Chichester Hospital? Yeah, she got to Chichester Hospital um, with her friends. I think they were out looking for. I don't know, find some appliance or something. Oh, yeah, I spoiled her day a little just, bit. Yeah, spoiled her day. <laughs> yeah, spoiled did, you get, did you get my sympathy or did you get told off straight away? Oh, no, 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 I wasn't told off straight away. That was late. That, that was, was later. later. Yeah, there was a bit of sympathy at the beginning. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's always <laughs> a tricky one, isn't it? I know that when, turned um, into a furious rage, rage and anger later on. For, yeah, uh, what have you done? Like, this yeah. is ridiculous. So you now, you spent two weeks... Um, you know, in Southampton Hospital, yeah. at the major trauma unit. Yeah. What was, you know, were they they did the operation, did they do that quite quickly? And then were you just lying there, healing, waiting for yeah, stuff to happen? Yeah, first, the first bit, I had to wait for this guy to come back, so they didn't, they couldn't move me, so it was just, you know, being, you know, looking up and, yeah, being sort of rolled around and, yeah, being very, very, yeah, being fed and stuff at that stage. It was, it was quite... Quite a surreal experience. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre, and having a load of weird people around you with head injuries that you couldn't see, but they were just doing weird stuff. Yeah, so I guess you're in <laughs> that just unit. Like, I couldn't see it. You haven't got a clue what was going on, but you're in intensive care. With it. You're fully alert, but just not being able to move. It was really quite. It's quite surreal, and a lot of visitors, people coming in, and yeah, I think and I then I spent so low. Yeah, then I had three. I spent three days awake trying to make sure that I kept my sat levels up. Um, from breathing and stuff like that, you have to keep your sats above ninety five percent. If it starts to dip, you're not getting enough oxygen in, and they have to put in a um, a trackie. Okay. And I didn't want that. They said, look, if you can avoid that at all costs, that's fine. So I said, yeah, I think I spent about three days wide awake just, just making breathing. sure breathing to make sure I did that. Listening to, um, I think, uh, yeah, one of the radio stations that was just all right, wasn't doing me in. Radio one was like breathing yeah. too much, and, a bit too um, much. Yeah, I think it was like that. It was called that Jack FM or something. Just listening to that for days in between visitors, just waiting to, yeah, keep waiting those to get sats the op. levels up. Yeah, keep the sats levels up. Yeah, waiting for the op. 
And so, I mean, did, did they give you anything to look at? Any sort of visual stimulation? Or were you literally just staring no, at the ceiling for no, days on end? No, you put headphones on and listen and to the radio. It. And, so, uh, radio, podcast, audio. You, you could have a little buzzer that you could be able to sort of press. But, you know, but it was in, yeah, he was in aged, um, the high dependency unit. So I think it was like one-on-one care anyway. So you always had someone someone there there looking out for you. That's pretty crazy. And, and how, uh, did you, how did you, because you're quite a... You know, I think when when this all happened, and as a group of friends, we're all like incredibly shocked. Yeah. And I think it was um, your friend Tone said, "Well, if it could happen to anyone that could handle it, it happened to Stig because he's a pretty strong character and he's super positive and stuff like that." But it must have been incredibly difficult for you those two weeks just lying there to keep a positive mindset. Or you know, how did you feel about it mentally? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah, I'm quite. I don't know, accepting the things and positive that stuff. So I suppose only need to be because it's a single swim thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I had this like, I don't know, like, yeah, I just worked out. I had this vision of sort of, uh, yeah, oh, I'll be fine. I'll just I'll start wheelchair racing or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'll be doing the Great South Run on uh, in, on a wheelchair. I didn't quite get the gist of it. I think, yeah, you think sort of paralysis is just legs and stuff like that. And uh, oh, I can't walk again. That's fine. Yeah, and then the more you learn about it, you think, "Oh, I'm right, I've broken my neck. That, that means it affects my arms." Okay, yeah, that's a little bit more difficult, right? Okay, yeah, and it sort of starts to dawn on you a little bit over over time. As, as um, so, this sort of you know image of, uh, of zooming along South Sea Seafront in some sports wheelchair was sort of yeah, that quickly, stuck with me for a little bit. Then yeah. it started to fade a little bit as I kind of as the reality of it set in. I guess it's um, a bit like you're sort of goal setting, aren't you? You're thinking, "Oh, what what will I be able to do?" Um, you know, and thinking about what yeah. can I do, so that gives you something positive to cling on to. Like, oh well, if yeah. I can do that, that's something I can think about. Well, that's fine. I mean, I had two young kids and stuff, and a wife, and everybody. You know, you have to, you have to look at the positives of it, don't you? And it was like, yeah, yeah. Well, God, I don't know. You've got to find a way, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah, that was fine. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it was tough. Like, a brilliant bunch of friends, family. Everyone's amazing. They will come by and um, yeah, keep it, keep it, keep it together. Yeah, they did all sorts that, of fundraising and stuff like that, didn't they? Yeah, and that was like, cool. Everyone sort of rallied round and made a big effort, which yeah. obviously that gives you, you know, another positive thing to think about as well. Yeah, but. and then you get a Stoke Mandeville. Where, where, yeah, so I got yeah, it. so that was so you had the operation in uh, Southampton. That in all Southampton, went well. yeah, that was all good. They did a they did a top job on that apparently. So uh, that was all good. And then it was just about yeah getting getting yourself to a to a rehab place basically yeah which is up Stoke um, Mandeville the yeah Stoke Mandeville was good for me um, Salisbury I think is the other one that's that's a lo- bit local but um, all my sort of family and stuff all from up up um, Berkshire way so Stoke Mandeville kind of worked so I ended up uh, up there and that was so two weeks in Southampton yeah. hospital then up to Stoke Mandeville so yeah. did they start you on rehab fairly quickly or did you have to wait for the bones to heal and for the operation to heal or were you sort of chucked into starting to get things moving um, straight away. When you go there, you go, um, yeah, you, you go onto rehab ward after a few weeks, but they basically, the weird thing, they have to get you sit up, because I'd lay down for two weeks yeah. to sit you up. They have to sit you up really slow, really slowly. They give you this stuff, what's it called? Um, Ephedrine, ephedrine? I don't know, a bit like speed, I think. They give it to get your blood pressure going, and they gradually sit you up a little bit, a little bit at a time, because if you've laid down, if the blood comes up, you just pass out and faint and feel weird. So they spend... Um, I spent a couple of weeks just trying to sort of gradually get you used to being able to sit in a chair, but you, it's weird. I don't know if you how knackered you got because I was a pretty fit, pretty fit person. Yeah, really, before it happened, before yeah. and yeah, you know, fit as a fiddle with all the biking and sport and stuff like that. And yeah, you just yeah, you just go. Your body just gets absolutely smashed, even though you've only done one bit of it. 
you're just so weak and you're just literally just spinning out trying to sit up and stuff if I remember I remember being left out for an hour in the sunshine just loving it having been lying down for <laughs> been lying down in the dark for a couple of weeks yeah just you just get rolled out it's just like oh this is bliss and they're like right you sat up for long enough we'll get you in you're like, oh, no, oh no I don't no. want to go back down don't take so you spent, back yeah so you spent a couple of weeks in um, um, like the sort of the before you yeah once you can once you can sit up for four hours or something then you're ready to move down onto the rehab ward and then they can start getting you down to physio and getting you in the pool and getting you doing all the sort of strength building stuff and getting you in lighter wheelchairs that you can start to push and start to um yeah just generally generally doing all the all the sort of the rehab activities that uh, that they do um and stuff and how how hard was it to sort of when it first started like did you sort of really struggle with things and then find that you managed to learn and get better at stuff or did you sort of take to it fairly easily or was it kind of a um, difficult thing to get to grips with yeah it, it was it was i don't know it, it was hard it was hard in some ways because you just um looking around you it depends where you, if you break your neck high then you, you're pretty you're pretty buggered and if you break your leg where i did you sort of you got a bit of use of your hands and stuff and uh, if you break your back, then you've got all sort of full use of your arms and stuff. So you're sort of surrounded by people that are um, in better nick than you. And you're like, oh, but and then there's always someone who's in worse nick than you are. So, you, you know, you sort of, uh, in a weird way, almost look to them for sort of comfort, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And just feel really sorry for those poor people that are the ones that haven't got anyone to look to, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and, then, uh, you know, you know what blokes are like, it's a competitive environment, isn't it? I was in a, uh, I was in a ward um, with a load of, load of young, youngish lads. Um, there was a goalkeeper from from he used to be from from Southend, awesome awesome bloke, and uh, he was opposite he was opposite me, so he was a sporty lad. There was another lad, Chris, who was twenty six, who had um, gone skinny dipping in uh, in uh, Ibiza or somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And uh, seven o'clock in the morning with some girl, and uh, piled his head into the ground. No, <laughs> doing diving in and showing showing off in the beach. So no. he was he was uh, he was quite a similar sort of to me. There was another guy who was um, man. There's some funny people there. He was a lifeguard. Uh, that was his job. His job, and he got um, got pissed up in um, in London at um, the Queen's Jubilee or something, and dived into one of the fountains. No. And, uh, so he'd crooked himself. Um, that's terrible. And, uh, <laughs> that's about the worst drinking injury you can have. Oh it? man, yeah. So it was. Um, and there was uh, yeah some other guy who'd um, he literally he was cutting a, you know, he was messing around with a chainsaw and fell out of a tree, but he fell out of a tree from five foot. Um, some um, other older boy were uh, called Will, who's on my ward, who just um, who'd, um, yeah, been put knocked off a push bike in Richmond Park somewhere. So there was, yeah, there was a real sort of, I don't know, good camaraderie, if you know yeah. what I mean. But it was a competitive environment. You were like yeah. checking out what other people were doing in terms. How of far sort of, along are you? Why yeah, not, I want to yeah, get there. Yeah, I'm going to do, do that. Better. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to beat him at that. I'm gonna, so you have to learn how to get, you know, transfer from one wheelchair into your bed and sort that out, so you can kind of get a little bit of independence back and not be hoisted around the place. And uh, so yeah, there's this real sort of, yeah, decent sort of competitive learning camaraderie, if you know what I mean. And, yeah. Uh, and do you stay in touch with some of those guys? Yeah, some of them. Yeah, some of them. There's one of their yeah, guy Chris, um, Brammy lad who I keep in touch with. He's um, yeah, I keep in touch with him. I guess the yeah. difficult thing is they're all at this one place because that's where you go when you have that kind of injury. Yeah. And then when they leave that place, they all scatter back to yeah, their lives to, wherever yeah, they are. Wherever they are. You know, yeah, it becomes difficult for you to kind of see them. I guess, and it must be yeah. quite strange. You've seen them pretty much every day, 
for however long and then you're yeah. waving goodbye to them, pleased, I guess, that they've done the rehab and they're going back to normal life as back much as possible. Life, yeah. But yeah, yeah, certainly an interesting environment. And how long did the rehab process take? I was there, I think I was there six months in the end. Okay. Um, so again, it depends on, on, on the level of your injury. If, if, you, if you break your back, then they, they expect you expect to be there about three months or three, four months. And I think if you break your neck, then you've got a little bit more to learn and stuff. And uh, yeah. yeah, a little bit more to, to get, so get your head around. So, and I guess they're just teaching you things that you can then use when you go home. So you can be yeah. as independent as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They try, the physios try and get you as independent as you can be so that you can transfer. And, uh, you know, they'll show you how to get in and out of cars and show you how to get in, you know, from one wheelchair to another wheelchair and get from one bed, to, you know, just so that you can independently get your way around and start to build your strength up. And they start to you know, do the wheelchair skills with you so that you can get yourself out and about and build your confidence so that you can, uh, I don't know, push yourself out in, the, out in the real world, I suppose, which is the goal, isn't it? Yeah, get um, back to normality as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, just fit back into it, so. Um, and did you find that, you know, after after being there, so you were there for six months, so after three months, did you find that you had a certain amount of range of movement and then that kept improving, improving, improving? Or did you find that, okay, I've got this movement, that's all I've that's all I've had, and it's been the same since, or is it? No, it's been. Um, I've been. Uh, I've been lucky in some ways that my movements sort of come and gradually sort of crept. I get crept back a little bit um, over over time. I suppose uh, you, you don't sort of break. You don't crack yourself symmetrically generally. So uh, my right hand side has, has gradually got slightly. My right arm's got gradually slightly better than my left. Um, the main thing on my right arm is one of my one of my triceps has started to work. So uh, not that you can see this, but you can uh, actually yeah, start. You can actually get a bit of control with your right arm. Yeah, um, so you can start to move yeah, it in places head. that you want so to. So yeah, anything like that. That arm's good. Uh, whereas this one, as you can see, yeah, <laughs> Sticks just hit himself in the head <laughs> as he tries to lift his arm up. <laughs> You were doing so well with yeah. the right, it was so yeah, impressive. Yeah, the, right, no, the right's good. I was the first person in Stoke Vanderbilt to get an accident report done from playing table tennis. No way. Because because of exactly that, I went to whack the table tennis ball, um, ball so hard that because I've got no triceps on that um, at the time, I couldn't break it, so I smashed myself in the mouth of a bat and split on my lip. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fill in an incident report for it. Brilliant. Did you make the shot? <laughs> oh, yeah, I smashed it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so, quite good that it's been getting better. And do you still yeah. see progress now? Do you still sort of see, um, like, this is, you know... I'd say it took me, what, three years to sort of get all the sort of strength back and doing weights and stuff. When I was watching telly, you'd sort of strap your weights on and... Uh, and try and sort of build yourself up and uh, so yeah now I suppose you get used to it and you get maybe not now it's more of a sort of a maintaining it now yeah keeping um, that strength yeah up, I keeping guess. that strength but um, I had some weird bit of surgery done a little while ago on my left arm to try and get it up to, up together um, which is quite cool but it didn't, it didn't work too much it worked a little bit um, but was basically that to do with what, reconnecting yeah nerves to do or? with nerve transfers so so basically they take um, they take active nerves, like live nerves, out of a muscle that they don't think is 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 particularly useful, and they try and transfer those live nerve heads into into muscles that that um, are more useful. Yeah. So they did it with three, and uh, yeah, the bloke said it was like um, sort of sewing and, sp- and stitching spaghetti under a microscope, uh, under a microscope, basically. Uh, um, but that was like a yeah a seven hour operation up in Birmingham on my left arm okay. to try and get the triceps to to work. 
And is um, that kind of experimental stuff that they're trying, or is so. it? Yeah, it's like yeah. new sort of technology that they're working yeah, on. Yeah, they can do like tendon transfers, which is which is a bit old, a bit more old school, I think, where they literally just reconnect a tendon. It's a bit like a sort of puppet strings. They they sort of undo a tendon from somewhere, yeah, um, and then connect it up somewhere else. And um, so they did three. And did it work or only one? I reckon so. Again, you can't say, but that my left hand can now open, which is okay. Yeah, which I can't so do, can... which I can't do with the right one. Right. Um, I haven't really found a good use for it. It's <laughs> got this new movement. You're I've like, what can I do? Yet. Look at that! I can do this. I, can sort of, I suppose I can sort of squeeze things. Can't yeah, I? you can squeeze something. <laughs> can touch things in the shop. Have a little wiggle. Or something. But it, yeah, the idea was one of the nerves would open. Yeah, and then the other one would close. Right. So I've got the open bit that works. So you got the open bit, but not the closed bit. <laughs> but not the closed bit. No. So I'm sort of like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Brilliant. And the tricep one didn't work, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> Hence, you still hit yourself yes. in the head. Yeah, I can still <laughs> smack myself on the head. And this all, I mean, this all happened, it seems, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this now, but it seems like it wasn't that long ago. But for you, I bet it feels like a lifetime. And I know from my injury, everyone was like, oh, it's gone so quickly. And I was like, no, it hasn't. It's really dragged. But it was 2011 when you did this, right? Yeah. So, um, September you know, 2011, 9-11. 9-11, literally 9-11. You see my dodgy tattoo on the back of my neck. Oh, have you got a tattoo got an explosion. No, I've got an explosion on the back of my neck with kapow on it, like a Batman <laughs> thing. And then I put 9-11 underneath of it, ironically. Brilliant. And then I was sitting in Vegas by a pool, a load of Amer- mature Americans, and realised I had an explosion on my back with 911 on the back of it. No. <laughs> 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 You're lucky you didn't get beaten yeah. up. So I thought, oh man, if anyone asked, I've got a bit of explaining to do. Quick, put your hood so, up. Yeah, September 11. <laughs> September 11, 2011. Yeah. And so you mentioned the nerve treatment there. Have you had to have lots of other hospital appointments, treatments, and things like that as time has gone on, or has it been just sort of fairly. Uh, not much, really. I, um, I have to go back to Stoke Man every nine months. Okay. I had this. Um, uh, part of one of the things with spinal injuries is you get like the sort of the, the muscle spasm stuff. So. Um, which kind of makes your muscles all do weird and wonderful things. So you have to take this uh, dirty drug called Baclofen to, uh, to sort of counteract it. So I have this pump fitted in. So I have to go back every nine months to uh, have my pump topped up with, yeah. uh, with that. Um, Do you have to take quite a lot of medication and no, stuff nothing, like that? No, just, nah, nothing. Just, that back, just the Baclofen for that. So yeah. other than that, everything's all in, yeah. Perfect work, perfect work in order. Perfect work in order, yeah. yeah. Nice. Absolutely spot on. Um, and, you know, we mentioned obviously friends and, and family and um, Andrea popped her head in earlier and you touched on, you know, I asked you if she was cross when you first did it and you said no, she wasn't. I mean, obviously your recovery has been helped massively by the support of your friends and family. So equally, it must have been really hard for Andrea and the kids to kind of deal with as well. How did that process kind of work? Well, yeah, it's hard. I mean, the, the first six months you're in rehab, it's all just shock, isn't it? And you, you're, you're living on adrenaline, basically, and it's exactly the same for it's exactly the same for those guys. I mean, my kids were what six and eight at the time, I think. Yeah, yeah, six and eight, six and eight at the time. So old enough to you know know what's going on, but um, still quite yeah, young. still quite young, I suppose. And uh, but they they were cool. One of them, um, yeah, Sam, the older one, used to yeah didn't didn't like coming to hospital particularly you could tell he'd yeah. come in the door and he couldn't wait to couldn't wait get to, to get, get out of there I was Finn the younger one was just quite far more uh, sort of Chilled intrigued and just you know used to, used to go home and build build Lego hospitals and stuff like that and uh, <laughs> yeah bless him so he was quite he was quite sort of I don't know intri- interested by the whole thing in a, in a, in a weird way yeah um, and then yeah Sam just didn't like it yeah but understandable uh, and then yeah and Andrew just, yeah, she was living on adrenaline. It, yeah, it, 
Well, I guess she's gone suddenly up. from having a husband at home who's helping out with yeah. all the running of the family and the running of the house to suddenly yeah. having to do everything on her own. Yeah. As well as look after you and you know give you the support and stuff. Yeah. So I think I think I was being looked after by the professionals, if you know what I mean. And I was in I was in state manual and it was all rehab and all I had to do was focus on kind of on me. Um, Andrea was having a hard time of it. I'm just getting her head around the, the shock of it, basically, and uh, coming up to visit me and putting a brave face on at the weekends. And uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, all our family and friends was just amazing, just keeping her keeping her going and trying to keep it normal for the kids. You know, my yeah. mates would come down and take the boys to football and stuff, and just make sure everything was normal. Try and yeah. keep it normal for them, um, which is yeah, was, that was massively what I'm trying to do now I suppose yeah just trying um, to keep things as they were but yeah the first six months were hard and then you come back to um, I'll come back home I'll come back home at Christmas so I guess like, yeah you've been you've been out of the house for six months yeah and then all of a sudden you're back in the house that's a yeah. whole new dynamic to deal oh, with oh man that was yeah and to be fair you come back quite broke and I need lots of help and you have sort of carers coming in the house and all that sort of stuff and yeah, we we had ended up having this this um, young Polish guy living with us for first for first God knows, just until I could sort of get driving and stuff, really, just to sort of give me a lift everywhere. And because, uh, yeah, so we had this stranger living in the house, me broken and uh, gradually getting stronger. But when I first come out of hospital, I was, yeah, broke, putting a brave face on it, but pretty broke, pretty yeah. weak. And uh, the whole real world was quite a scary, quite a scary place to be in. I guess you've suddenly gone from 24-hour, round-the-clock, professional care to suddenly yeah. you're at home you're at home yeah dealing with it yeah deal with it and it was just like <gasps> yeah so it's quite scary really scary leaving hospital because as you say you've just got you know you've got you've got a cool buzzer in the hospital haven't you uh, yeah excuse me can you give me this uh, someone's going to be yeah, there right you away come out, yeah you come home and it's uh, yeah the whole real the real the real world really difficult transition you yeah. mentioned there the driving and i've you know enjoyed hearing stories and things have been on facebook and stuff like that and um, following your recovery, and one of the things that you got kitted out with was the awesome van that's parked up outside. Yeah. So, you know, how, I mean, obviously you've got, you can't use your legs, you've no. got limited movement in your right hand. How yeah. does it, how does driving work? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Yeah, basically, I've got my, my, um, my right hand's my good one, as I said earlier. Yeah. So basically, um, I've got one of those sort of trucker's ball things on, me, on the steering wheel. Um, with like three pins on it, so imagine like a plug upside down. Yeah. You slot your wrist in between the two shorter bits, and then you put your hand over the uh, other bit. So that's your that's your steering done. They lighten it up massively so that you don't need too much strength. Okay, so it's super light it. on the steering wheel. And then with the um, with your left hand, that's your throttle and the accelerator. So um, if you can imagine like a speedboat, yeah, you've got a throttle, but annoyingly. They do it the other way around. So with a speedboat, you go forward to go fast, and then to slow down, you pull back. Uh, so it takes a little bit of getting used to, but as you can imagine, braking, you want... <laughs> so yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess as you you're want going to brake, you go forward. So I, I do get why they do that. And then all the other little bits and pieces are all on like a little little button and stuff. So it's all pretty, it's all pretty techno. Pretty tech. And who, um, who did you have to sort of invest in that yourself or is it something that the government helps with? No, no, there's this amazing thing. Motability is brilliant. Okay. Um, so I ended up, yeah, going through motability scheme and... Uh, I've got a yeah VW van that's uh, perfect yeah amazing to get out with ramps and uh, ramps lifts and and hand controls and stuff but uh, I think I, I ended up there's another organisation amazing organisation called um, part of the part of the job centre called Access to Work yeah so between Access to Work because I use my van to get to work um, and mobility I've got this bling van that that um, is 
is paid for basically. Awesome. Um, so yeah, well, and I guess well that must have that. given you a massive like that first time you drove it. Must have been quite terrifying, but equally quite liberating that suddenly you're free. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I went up, you'll laugh, I went up to um, this airfield um, near, near, up near, um, in Hertfordshire somewhere. Yeah. And uh, I had to go to sort of, yeah, one end of the airfield was being used as a film set. So they were, I don't know what they were doing, but they were just blowing stuff up. <laughs> there was all these massive explosions going on down the other, end of the, the other end of the airfield. And there was me for the first time in my little black band trying to drive at the other end. Brilliant. Um, trying to get used to the hand controls and not like jumping around all over the place. But. Yeah. And I guess they teach you off-road first so you can learn to drive it on the runway. No, oh, you'll be surprised. I literally had half an hour, half an hour there and they were like, yeah, you'll be all right. And then um, they just send you off. And then, well, no, they didn't send me off. And then they <laughs> tweaked it and tuned it up and then they delivered the van to my house. Um, and uh, yeah, when I got it, they turned up with this, um, this driving instructor and uh, I had two hours booked in with him. And he was like, uh, right, okay, let's, let's go. So got wow. myself in the van and just headed off around the local roads. Um, yeah, having driven it for half an hour before. Wow. And uh, yeah, man, it scared me. So after an hour, he was like, yeah, I think you're, you'll be okay. You've just got to be careful and um, I, can't te- I can't teach you anymore. So, so then I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, cheers, right. I'll have the keys. Thank you very much. And I think Dave, Dave was done. I was like, Dave, Dave, I've come around and pick you up. <laughs> so literally I got, yeah, literally I got down the end of the road. Um, I can't remember what happened, but I ended up breaking too hard. I smashed my face into the um, into the steering wheel, split my lip again. No. <laughs> and uh, I had to go. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I felt like I might go home now. Yeah. <laughs> so that, was, that was enough for that. that. was enough for the day. <laughs> and, I guess you've got more used to driving it the more you drive it, though, right? So yeah, now yeah. you probably don't think about it too much and you get in and you can do school runs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the and... first month was scary because uh, not necessarily the driving so much, but just the fact that I was out on my own. Yeah. places yeah, and, and miles away from and then getting used to how to park it because I've got this ramp that comes out on the left hand side and you know you'd park it and you'd get stuck and, and I'd have to transfer between my normal wheelchair and my driving chair in the back of the van on my own in the dark and weird and wonderful places so yeah That's it, the was sort of the sort of, uh, it was more the sort of it was more the sort of yeah the adventure and how far I could get myself and, uh, and if I sort of got it wrong getting stuck places and stuff like that but i heard a few tales of you know you phoning up friends and saying i'm stuck can you come and help me <laughs> well yeah well, i was telling you about that i literally i got um i got one of those iphone watches so yep. i'm trying to transfer from one chair to the other got it wrong board slipped board slipped out fell forwards i had my keys around my neck on a lanyard and the keys had got caught in the um in the in the bit that clips the wheelchair in to drive, so I was like, ah, oh, strangling myself <laughs> with my feet up, God knows where, and with face in the footwell, basically, with my keys <laughs> got round my neck, and my phone was out of reach, so I managed to press with my chin on the um, on my watch and use the um, on Siri, yeah, and I was just like, cool, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> And then press this thing with my nose to to get it to drive. And I was just like, I'm outside of the pub. Can you come and get me? <laughs> Don't Fantastic. come out. They come out and couldn't find me. And um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, they managed to open the door up and found me with my face shoved in the in the footwell in this and, contorted position, yeah, in this half weird, strangled. wonderful position. So uh, I got dragged out by my feet, and I think it was um, Tone's daughter who was just like. What's uh, going with on? Friend go, What's going on? Is, he, is someone? Is he dead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this bloke being dragged out of his van by his feet through the side door to try and straighten me up? 
<laughs> Fantastic. Oh, but that's good because it gives you that freedom. But I guess, like you say, that's the scary bit is, you know, if you do get into a bit of a pickle, then you're kind of stuck. So you, yeah. you know, have friends on speed dial on your, on your watch. And yeah, I've coverage. got a few people around that, uh, that might have come and rescued me at a, yeah. a few times. at uh, Silly o'clock in the morning. Silly o'clock in the morning after a couple of hours where it's gone a little bit wrong, maybe. And uh, yeah. Yeah, bless. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have good friends. And I know um, one of your early party tricks was being able to pick up a beer and drink it, you know, with your uh, right hand. And you still, you know, like sort of socialising with buddies and stuff and saw you in the pub last night, which is one of the reasons I was driving down here thinking about hooking up and having a chat. Um, you know, that friendship base, you still see a lot of them, you yeah. know. And I remember seeing some pictures recently where they took you actually out on a off-road mountain bike, well, mountain bike wheelchair crossover kind of device. What I was going to ask you about was you were really passionate about various sports, you know, mountain biking, windsurfing, things like that before the accident. Have you managed to engage in kind of sporting activities since the accident and do different things that you can kind of do uh, that you can enjoy to a kind of same sort of level? Uh, to a point. I mean, yeah, I've got this... Um... I've got this amazing device that fits on the front of my wheelchair and I've got sort of off-road wheels that clip onto that you can swap and clip onto the back. Um, but yeah, I've got this thing called a Batek, which is awesome. It's just basically a, a, yeah, a powered up front wheel that uh, that does 22 miles an hour. And, um, Crikey. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a life out especially when you haven't got too very good grip on your hands. So uh, um, that, can get us, that can get us around and about um, yeah. over sort of reasonable rough terrain and stuff like that to a point of... Um, been down the South Downs Way with um, with the guys a few times and been up to um, Surrey Hills and stuff and done been up to the top of the hills and down a few of the not too not too technical. I mean it's got its limits, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've done we've done that on the old Batek and that's good fun. It, even just even just for getting out and about and going out with a dog and going out with my, yeah my wife down the beach and stuff and zooming along at twenty mile an hour at low tide down at um, down at Whitterings and stuff is awesome. So it's it's, it's good to be able to do. Do stuff like that. Um, we did this thing, um, the snow, what do they call it? The Snowden, the Snowden push. So okay. you've got to try and get, you have a team, and a one wheelchair and a team. And uh, it's uh, it's not a race, but it is a race. <laughs> the competitive um, nature yeah, coming out again. <laughs> yeah. So I think we did that. We did that a couple of summers ago, which was a good laugh. But that is, um, yeah, unfinished business because there was a load of lightning storms at the top and they only let us get three quarters of the way to the top. Okay. Um, so, well, yeah, and so we, is that, that you've got a team of buddies and basically you've got to get your mate in the wheelchair to the top of Snowden. Yeah, and then back down again. Excellent. Um, so we did, yeah, we did that, but uh, yeah, unfinished business, I think. Um, for one, we came third, not that it was a race. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and for two, we didn't get, didn't to, the get to the top. So I think we've, uh, we've got ideas on um, revisiting that one at some point. Going back and having another crack at it. Yeah. And is there anything else that you kind of do? I know I saw some pictures once you going sailing on uh, some land yachts and things like that. Yeah, well, I guess was, it's the accessibility of it, you know. It's yeah, it's it's also also one I mean, Yeah, I, it, there's a balance between time and and stuff like that. And my kids are both pretty sporty, and uh, you know, I take them wherever they want to go and stuff for that. And uh, and then with work and stuff like that, I'm, I'm yeah. If if I wasn't working or doing all the other stuff, then I'd have more time to be able to go and do, go and do stuff like that. But yeah, land yachting was amazing. We did that in Portugal. It was um, it was. Uh, yeah, that's probably the most sort of fun I've had in adrenaline-wise since, uh, since uh, yeah, riding downhills properly on mountain bikes and stuff like that. But that was, yeah, that was good fun. Yeah, but we literally, quick, I literally had to turn up and it was, um, 
what are they called? They're called blow carts. And yep. uh, I turned up with a roll of duct tape, a load of cable ties, and um, and literally taped myself into it. I got people to tape me into this thing. And I had to strip all the rigging off of it um, because I needed the, like, the purchase. And I had, to, I had to duct tape, which arm was it? to the steering. I think I had to duct tape my left arm onto the, uh, onto the steering bit. Um, so that was that was sorted, and then I had to have a loop for the uh, for the throat for the um, pulling the sheet in yeah. for, the, for the sailing bit. But that man, that was awesome. This was in some dusty, uh, dusty windblown place somewhere in Portugal, which was absolutely howling. And those things yeah, fly, don't absolutely they? Absolutely flew. It scared. Yeah, that scared the living daylights out of me. But it was brilliant, <laughs> absolutely brilliant fun. I think that yeah, if I could do that, if that if if I could do that somewhere close, I'd be I'd be well into that. Yeah. I guess that's the thing. It's like it's a great sport, but unless it's on your doorstep when you've got family work, everything else. Yeah, there's a setup difficult. down in Cornwall, so I think I'll be bothering you boys to uh, go on a lads' weekend down at Cornwall and go blow karting at some point at Gwydion uh, like at low tide or something. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I so, like that idea. Um, you mentioned work a little bit there. One of the things you know, because one of the things that really inspired me, I guess, about your story was you mentioned it earlier when we were chatting in the kitchen. But September to September, so you broke your neck in. September and then a year later you were back at work um which I just think is pretty phenomenal really and you're you work in recruitment um yeah luckily so I do. how did, how was that a goal that you set yourself that you were like I want to get back to work I want to be as normal as possible um or was it just something where they were like you've had six months off get your ass back to work or we're giving you a sack <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair okay, the company I work for are amazing um you know, I think that, yeah, the guys at State Manor have never sort of seen such sort of interaction from um, from yeah colleagues and stuff like that from work, and they were always up and trying to work out you know what I could do, and uh, they were getting involved in all the fundraising bits and pieces. So they were you know they were really supportive. To be fair, um, and then yeah, so I had six months of rehab, nothing I could do then, and then I came home and uh, it was 2012 summer. Oh, the Olympics and stuff were on, so uh, yeah. I had a summer of you know watching sport and doing stuff like that. So by September, I was going to be bored anyway. Yeah, um, and also I think uh, I think they paid me full time for six months and uh, and then and then uh, half pay for six months. So there was a bit of an incentive to go back to work to uh, yeah get the money rolling in maybe. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I just set yeah set myself a goal of uh, yeah twelve months and that was that was that and uh, they were good as gold and they were like well yeah what do you want to do. How do you want it to work? Um, so I started off just going back in at, um, for two days a week just to ease myself back into it. And uh, after, yeah, a bit of time, you, two days wasn't, I don't know, so you start getting bored and there's not enough to do and you you find you find yourself easing yourself back into work. So I think I was three days a week, four days a week, and then I was like, oh, I might as well put in five days a week, do you know what I mean? So I got yeah. back to normal. I start late um, just because it takes me a little bit of time to get my arsing gear in the morning, to be fair. So I start at 10, if, which is... Which works, and um, yeah, back back full time with them. Perfect. And and luckily, I do a desk job. Yeah, that's always a bonus, <laughs> isn't it? But it's Match Tech, the company that yeah, you work yeah, for, right? Really. So, given a little mention to those guys for being so supportive. And you, most of your jobs aren't that you're on the telephone, so you're talking to people a lot. Yeah. What about the typing and putting things into a <laughs> keyboard? Like, how's that go? Because obviously you can you can chat on the telephone, but at some point you're going to have to put some data into a computer. I'm sure. Yeah, I write I write with capitals. Okay. <laughs> Mostly, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Because if if I have two hands out in front of me, I haven't got any core stability. I fall over. So to okay. press uh, to press shift and then the number to do capitals and stuff like that it is a pain. So it's one hand typing using capitals using capitals mostly. 
Um, I did try. They had this amazing bit of software called um, Dragon, which I used in um, Stone Mandeville, and then I got them to install it at work. And it works brilliantly. It's just voice recognition stuff. Okay. Um, but but because I work in an open plan, quite noisy sales office. Um, it picks up. Yeah, it picks everything up from the background. So every time the phone rang, it used to type A A A A A A A. And if anybody talked in the back of me, it used to write You are, you are, you are, you are. <laughs> so I, so uh, your computer just yeah, be typing away. Like, yeah, stop, do what stop. it's want. I'll be like, Oi, oi yeah. let me speak. <laughs> also, also, you'll laugh. There's um, I to to turn it on. I used to have to say wake up, and to turn the software off, I'd have to tell it to go to sleep. So this is poor girl who used to sit opposite me and I'd be just there going, wake up. She'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> not you. Go to sleep. Not right. you. Not you. <laughs> Brilliant. But I'll give up with it. I'll give up with it just because it was, yeah. And then I either had to go and sit in a quiet office yeah. um, on my own, which I didn't want to do. Yeah, you haven't um, got the social side of it then. Yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, or just accept that, you know, my emails are going to be short and to the point and in capitals. Yeah, I'm going to be shouting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. And so I guess you've got like one hand, you can just type a little bit out and yeah, keep it nice and simple. And yeah. That's, yeah. That's all pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. So that works all right. And now we're sort of, what, 2011, 2018 now, so seven years on. Yeah. Um, there must be certain things that you really miss about before the accident. Is it the sport? Is it the walking about? Is it the sort of things being easier? Is there anything that you sort of think, oh, that's the one thing that really I do miss that. I could do before that I can't do now. I suppose it, well, I could say everything. But <laughs> just literally everything. Do you know what the, the things that annoy me more are just like when you're looking at something, you can see something like the grass needs cutting and I'm just like, oh. I can't oh, do it. I can't do it. Oh, it really annoys me. Do you know what I mean? Just real little or light bulb needs changing. I'm like, oh, I can't bloody reach it. Oh. Yeah. Just annoy, the little things annoy me. I mean, there's, you know, you'd love to play football with your kids and, um, you know, tennis, tennis, and with your, you know, with your, and all the you know, bits and pieces like that. You'd love, love to be able to do that and go back on your bike and ride with your mates again and uh, go, you know, win whatever. But all you can, yeah, nothing you can do about that. That's, you know, things have changed. So you've just got to, like, I don't know, embrace, with it. embrace it and roll with it, I suppose. Otherwise, you changing just, light bulbs, that gets you go. Just little, <laughs> no, just little things that annoy me that you can see me doing, and you're like, oh, can you just, can you skip some of that? Or can you just do this? Or just add it to a list of things that you need to get other people to do it just yeah. reminds that's alright sorry that's alright yeah no I can understand yeah, just, that that's just, just like the frustration me, yeah, just sort of it. winds me up I mean it's quite good in some ways but you know, I don't have to worry about sort of DIY and stuff like that anymore but uh, in <laughs> this bedroom point, needs painting someone paint it <laughs> I used to hate that <laughs> well, I stubbornly used to do it I think that's one thing in hindsight I'd never do again is pick up a paintbrush well there you um, go that's a bonus yeah 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 you can you can and work a bit harder and pay someone else to do that I think yeah um, very true and you've got an incredibly positive outlook on everything I think you know and you've kind of definitely embraced it um, is there anything that you sort of you draw on for that positivity like what makes you really happy these days what you know puts a massive smile on your face oh, I don't know just I don't know I try and keep life as normal as possible and, and try and Keeping life as normal as possible for sort of family, kids, and stuff like that. And what do I love doing? Going watching my kids play football on a Sunday morning. Wouldn't swap that for the world. Um, yeah, just normal, normal stuff. Getting out down the beach, taking the dog out, going out for you know walk with the dog family, going out with missus and stuff like that. And just, I think in some ways I'm just you know you feel lucky because you 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 have to sort of embrace it that you you 
if I'd have, I've got better and I've got stronger and I've got and I've got more um, slightly more movement back. And I think when I come out of hospital, I can do so. You know, I'm living pretty. I'm living independently. I can't put my socks on. That annoys me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I have got some fur lined boots, and I don't need to wear socks in the winter now, so we're all right. Perfect. Um, so we've sorted that. But um, yeah, just being able to to you know go away, stay in a hotel for for a weekend, and uh, just just go away on holiday with the family. We've been away with just my wife and kids this summer. We're on, you know, on, on our own in France and stuff, and it's been off but I don't know we've done a lot and I can still get involved if you know what I mean I'm yeah. still I'm still able to to um I don't know get people to places by driving and get involved and be you know, useful be, be useful be useful yeah and have a purpose and and uh you know see I was like, you have to sort of accept that you know if I go and, I'll go on a ski holiday I can't I can't keep up with everybody and do it but I can go on I can go on a ski holiday and cruise around in my van and go and visit old resorts I used to work in and used to be in and uh, had a go at the old um had a go at the old sit skiing and stuff yeah. and uh, and again you get to see people up the mountain but uh, I don't know my left arm's not good enough so again I can I can sit ski and turn left but I can't turn right which, which is not <laughs> <is> good <laughs> Get stuck at the top of the mountain, yeah, going around yeah. in circles. Yeah, left turn, left turn, left yeah. turn. That can only get you so far, I think. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's nice to get involved and stuff. But um, I don't know. You've just got you've just got this kind of this limit. But you have to sort of I don't know take happiness in in just everyone else having a really good time and you having quite a good time and being involved. Still, I suppose that's a really good way of looking at it. I think but, that's nice. Take happiness in everyone else's enjoyment of things and. Yeah, just try and pass on your sort of enthusiasm and everything and get, I don't know, get your kids involved in doing stuff and get, yeah, just try and make sure that they have as normal a a life as they would have had if I hadn't smashed it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to ask you if you regret it, because I'm sure, like, if you could have your time again, you'd probably go, I wouldn't hit that jump at that speed or I would have done something differently. But... um, what do you enjoy, you know, since since it's happened? What's the one thing that's really changed that you think, yeah, that's a, a, a real positive that's come out of this? Um, I think it's made you appreciate everything around. It's made you appreciate family. It's made you appreciate friends. It's made you appreciate life, I suppose, to be honest. You, you, I'm sure anyone who's, you know, done something stupid and uh, like this, make, yeah, it, just make, it makes you appreciate what you've got, doesn't it? Um, yeah, um, I used to be a little bit restless, I suppose. Like any windsurfer, you're always permanently looking at the trees and wondering whether it's going to be windy and not making any plans and generally being a pain in, pain in the arse of uh, booking for any, booking any sort of anything yeah. if you think it's going to Just be windy. Just in case it's going to be Just windy. Just in case it's going to be windy. Uh, and the same with the biking and stuff, you know, you'd always be like, oh, I've got to get out, I've got to get out, I've got to get out. So maybe I'm not as restless, perhaps, and I'm a bit more settled and a bit more sort of, Oh, well, it was always really family focused, but but more focused on perhaps them rather than doing what I wanted and uh, making sure they came along with me. So I guess <laughs> in one way it's made you incredibly selfless, you know, because you're, you know, before you were thinking about, is it windy? I'm going to go hiking. Is it, I'm going to go on my bike. Now you're not, you know, that's that's gone. So you're just thinking, how can I help? What can I do? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, Which is quite point. a nice positivity angle on it to come out of it. Have you got any advice for anyone 
you know, who's in a similar situation, who's been injured or who's maybe listening, who's just hurt themselves and they're lying in a hospital bed listening to audio because that's all they can do. Um, yeah, any advice for anyone like that? Oh, God knows. Um, you've got to be positive. You've got to look at, you've just got to look at, yeah, you've just got to embrace everything and look at what you can do and how you can get involved and, and yeah, keep a positive spin on it and look after yourself. Try and keep yourself fit, try and keep yourself healthy. Um, I think, I don't know, I've only been injured seven years. I think in seven years, things are, you know, you, you guys can embrace all the stuff, technology side of it. There's all sorts of um, positive stuff going on on the medical side of it that probably won't won't affect my generation. But I think in, uh, you know, I think in further generations, there'll be all sorts of medical breakthroughs and stuff that will make people's life better. I think I've just got to embrace the technology side of it and, and get involved in, in, in you know, yeah, what's getting available all the tech now. and what's available and uh, to use as much as you can there now. And I don't know, you've just got to get out there. Don't sit in, you've got to get out out and embrace it try you know work's been amazing for me because it's given me a purpose my family's been amazing for me because they've given me a purpose um yeah yeah having a dog that gets you out. <laughs> <laughs> having two kids that drag you that drag you off to do sport and stuff like that and you know they drag you out on a sunday morning when it's minus five outside to go and watch a game of football in the mud is is, is you know you, you've got to be driven you've got to have a drive you've got to have a purpose you've got to get out and yeah yeah um, rather than sitting in and dwelling on it yeah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? That's the key to life, really. Get out there I and enjoy so. it. Make the most of it. Alex, I've got one more question for you. The nickname Stig. Ah. <laughs> so where does that come from? It doesn't come from the racing driving side of things. It comes from the old school Stig of the Dump. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't used to be the... I used to be a dreadlock, long, blonde-haired, windsurfing beach bum that possibly... Uh, didn't uh, didn't wash his t-shirt enough. <laughs> in fact, my father-in-law in his um, in his speech for uh, at my, on my wedding day said that uh, when he first met me, I was wearing a t-shirt that he wouldn't wash his van with. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Brilliant, Alex. That's been awesome. Thank you so much for giving me that time and having the chat. I really enjoyed that. It's really insightful. No um, worries. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers, Ray. What an incredible interview with Alex that was. I really enjoyed chatting to him and I hope that came across. Um, it was just two guys laughing hysterically about something which really shouldn't be funny. But that's often what humans do, I guess. We laugh about things when we shouldn't and that's the, the medicine that sometimes gets us through. Please, please, please share this episode and share all the episodes. It's great to see the listener numbers growing. More and more of you seem to be checking these out. So thank you for helping me get the word out there. The more people that listen to it, the more it inspires me to create them. I've got a great interview lined up for you next week, and I'm hoping my voice will be back. Uh, so until then, you've been listening to the Intriguing Beings podcast with me, Rue Chater.